Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Publish This Over Lunch with Woodhall Press. I'm David Legere speaking with writer Sarah Wesley Lemire. Uh, is it Lemire or Lemire? It's Lemire. Lemire, I was right. Okay, Lemire. Uh, Sarah is originally from Minneapolis and has spent the last two decades in the Northeast unsuccessfully trying to lose her uh, Midwestern accent and figure out the difference between a hoagie and a sub. Uh, she is an award-winning writer and humor col columnist. Uh, her work appears in the New York Daily News, Chicago Tribune, uh, Los Angeles Times, and in the books uh, Flash Nonfiction Funny and uh, Opinionated Women uh, in the Land of Steady Habits. And also you have an uh, a recent publication, I'll Never Be a Hand Model, and other stories I tell my therapist, which I'll touch on in a moment. I'll right. uh, follow Sarah on Twitter at SWLemire, L-E-M-I-R-E, -E, or Instagram at Sarah underscore Wesley uh, underscore Lemire, and tune in to her lifestyle podcast, Hack the Cat. Uh, her most recent publication is, of course, I'll Never Be a Hand Model, and other stories I tell my therapist, which, uh, guys, uh, I'm reading this directly from Amazon. Uh, this is the description, which is as hilarious as the book. From banjo playing aliens and bikini waxes to crushing on John Denver and men in tight football pants, Sarah Lemire has been entertaining readers for years with her award-winning humor columns uh, collected here for the first time in I'll Never Be a Hand Model and Other Stories I Tell My Therapist. These slice-of-life uh, vignettes will have you laughing at Sarah's hilarious spin on her ordinary life, uh, dysfunctional family trips, sarcastic observations, and childhood blunders all tumbled together with uh, wit, charm, and a heaping dose of secondhand embarrassment. Uh, so thank you for being here today. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Um, I brought I brought my drink. I thought originally this was going to be Hoda and Kathy Lee. I'm sorry, I got my <laughs> totally mixed up. But you know, it's it's lunch o'clock, so I you know, why not? I appreciate it. I'm I'm going between. You can't see. I've got coffee in one hand or coffee in this hand, and then tea in this one. So I'm actually battling between the two. One's got the caffeine, and then the other's got kind of like a little bit of taste. I'm enjoying at the moment. So I'm kind of like. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, I have I have the water bottle, and and I'm finding how this is actually ginger ale, but it's kind of a fractions <laughs> of later today when in fact it'll be um, a lot of alcohol, probably right after. <laughs> well, uh, kind of kicking it off, right? You're a humorous writer. Um, before I kind of go into the humor, uh, I'm something I'm curious about. In, in full disclosure, guys. Um, there's a lot of questions here, so we're not going to get through everything today, but I'm going to touch on what I can over the next half hour. So did you always want to be a writer, right? I come across so many writers, um, but was it something that you knew you wanted to be, or did you kind of fall into it over time? God, no. In fact, the funny thing is, is that when I was a kid, I wanted to be a doctor until I realized that I, I have no left brain whatsoever. So... When I realized I wasn't going to be able to be a doctor, um, the sort of natural progression for me was superstar. And I probably spent a lot of years thinking, you know, I want to be a superstar. Um, and when that didn't happen, I ended up going into broadcast news. You know, everybody kind of goes from doctor, superstar to broadcast news. It seems like, you know, the, the right path. Um, and so that's what I went to college for, and I graduated with a degree in broadcast communications and in television news for a few years. Um, 
And then I had kids and moved to Connecticut from Midwest, which is where I was born and working um, in television news. And I spent, um, I spent a lot of years being a mom. Um, when I decided to go back to a career, um, the funny story is I, I went into a Starbucks to meet a friend and I saw a heart magazine sitting on the table. My friend was late, so I was paging through it. And I thought, this is a really great publication. And I went home and I looked on their webpage and I saw an ad that said, Interns Wanted. <laughs> 40, and I thought, you know what? I'm just gonna go for it. And I applied for the internship and the editor, Lynn Wojcicki, was like, why not? And they even put a big picture up in the uh, Hartford Magazine, the offices were a picture of me and wrote the 40-year-old intern underneath. Um, and so my whole goal as an intern was just to get a single article published. And um, I did that within a couple of months. And so began the writing journey, which is the like the road trip answer to your question. Did I always want to be a writer? No, but here we are. You know, what I take away from that particularly is that, you know, 40 years old, you just said, I'm going to do something different. I think a lot of people get that anxiety or, or the, you know, the, the fear that like, oh, I've always done this. I can't do anything different. And I come across that all the time where people say, well, I, I can't even imagine doing anything else. And oftentimes it's as simple as just uh, that internship, right? Like just, just saying or buying the book on real estate or whatever it is that you want to do. It's just like taking that initial step. Uh, and then it's just the next step when you finish that one, right? So you finish the internship. That was the first step. And then after that, there was another step, and then eventually it took you on your path. Uh, I like that. That's good. Um, so I kind of all right. So then you came here, you became a parent. Uh, I'm curious. So why didn't you then go back to your career in television? Like you had a nice uh, right. Like you, you've done it. You've had a career in television. Why not go back? Um, great. That's a great question. So. When my kids were a little bit older and we'd first moved to Connecticut, I, in fact, did decide broadcasting and I got a job at a local news station in Connecticut. And um, my very first day, I was working on the assignment desk. And it's actually a really sad story. While I was working, I was it's probably my first hour there. Um, a small child was struck by a car and and killed. And. The first thing, you know, oh, how terrible, it's so terrible. And then everybody in the newsroom was like, well, we got to get a camera crew out there and film the scene. Um, and for me, that just, you know, I had I had kids and all I could think about were, were the family, was the family of this child. Um, picked up my stuff and I left and I, I never went back to broadcast news. Just wasn't for me. Um, it's just too dark. It's, it's, it's what I... I take from that as well is that's not unheard of in publishing as well. So I, I've seen it over the years. You know, a lot of times they create like the, the uh, a Deadpool where they watch and they say, oh, all right, well, um, such and such, uh, you know, like for instance, I hate to say Betty White. She's an older, older woman. And so every year they try to get that preloaded book ready in anticipation of somebody's demise. And I always thought that morbid publishing style was just – it's awful. Like, I, I get the sense behind it, but it's just not good for the soul. Like, you're literally banking on people, and there's whole publishing programs built around that. Uh, they have all these preloaded books all set and ready to roll, 
So as soon as these older celebrities pass away, they're like, they got it. And it's just, ugh. <laughs> like, it gives me the willies. I don't like it. It can be really, it can be a really grim business, which is why I do, you know, lifestyle content, which is what I love. Um, travel and, and weddings and health and a lot of, you know, positive, more spin on life. The, the negative stuff I, I can't do. I know that last year I was writing um, and some of the stories at my job they wanted me to write were on COVID and, and I found that difficult and I, I couldn't do it because I just thought about how many people were suffering and I just, I didn't have the heart for it. Yeah. I, you know, uh, I've, I've been telling my students, I've been hooked on the Good News Network. If you haven't discovered this yet, you would love it. Good, goodnewsnetwork.org. And every day I just go on and it's just positive news. So we have a habit, right, of, of like opening up our phones and then looking at like CNN or whatever it is. And it's just negative, negative. So what I started doing is now I open the day with the Good News Network. And it's like, oh, look at this happy, happy thing that's going on. <laughs> it's I think much nicer. Yeah, I think that now more than ever. I think, you know, obviously for so many people in the last year, it's really, really been, it's been dark days. And I, at, we're all looking for sort of more positive interactions, whether it be in something we read or watch or, you know, just with the people we see every day. So I think that um, we're all looking for that good news um, to get us through these hard times. So uh, on that topic of, of good news, you know, did you... You're, you're a humor writer, right? You're uh, Fast Funny Women, which is actually behind me on one of the one of the books surrounding me, which is just, if anybody, please check it out. It's available, uh, edited by Gina Baraka. So um, did you ever imagine yourself as a humor writer? Because that's, I, that's the funniest thing is I come across a lot of humor writers who are like, yeah, I never thought I was going to be a humor writer. Just, just fell. And then they end up being the best humor writers. So did you ever see yourself as a humor writer? <laughs> my god no that's the funniest thing of all um i sort of tripped into the humor writing when when hartford magazine was sold to the hartford current um i i didn't i wasn't writing for it at first so i sort of picked myself to their new editor nadine hazel and i said hey I'm a, I'm a freelance writer and i'm an award winning writer for hartford magazine which i hate self promotion really trying to be good at it and I remember Dean, um, she, she sent me an email back and she said, sure, I, you know, send me your story pitches. Um, and also, how about your resume? And I was like, definitely humbled. I'm like, oh, sure, here's my resume. Um, and so after working together for a few months, I pitched a story to her about doing one of those diet detoxes that you see all the celebrities doing, like the yeah. <laughs> earth thing. And um, I'm like, how about... I do one of these diet detoxes and I write about it. And Nadine being great, she went, sure, you know, do it. And so um, as anybody in my family will tell you, I'm, I don't like to be on diets. And part of the diet included no coffee and no alcohol, which was like being in prison for me. So um, it was a long, long seven days for my entire family. And at the end of it, when I went to go write the story, I wrote about, what was real and that it was hard and that it was funny. And when I sent it over to Nadine Hazel, she wrote back and she said, oh my God, this is so funny. I've edited everybody, but you know, this was great. And so uh, enterprising as always, I said, hmm, why, don't we, why don't we keep doing it? And she said, okay. 
And it just sort of grew into their back page columnist. So I just, to you know, I don't think of myself as a funny writer, <laughs> but here we are. And uh, it just, uh, it was really good fortune and a great editor. And one of the things you touched on in that, I think is a hidden gem about self-promotion and how you felt uncomfortable with it because that's a very common theme among writers. Uh, I, I do a whole workshop on uh, writer versus author. And as a writer, it's a solitary pursuit often. And any, you know, anybody can just can be, be a writer. But to be an author is that next step of actually saying, I can write this and now sell it to the world. And that is a it's, it's sales. So the self-promotion aspect really just caught me because uh, right, uh, you miss... 100% of the chances you don't take, right? That's like the common thing everybody says. But it's so true because so often I come across these just wildly talented writers who are self-effacing almost. They just don't want to talk about themselves or their accomplishments. And I have to like pull it out of them. Um, I don't know, any thoughts on that? Have you gotten better at the self-promotion? <laughs> uh, no, I hate it. Um, I hate every part of it. I think I am the most awkward person uh, you've ever met. And uh, it's funny because I do things that are all sort of so public, but I'm such an introvert. And I do find that aspect of what I do to be really, really hard. So doing social media, I'm like not even on Facebook, which I know is a complete crime because I, I, I'm just not good at inspection at all. And I don't like talking about myself and I, so naturally, I'm not great at self-promotion either. So, yeah, I think that's it's really hard to be in such a kind of public-facing career and then uh, feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm always riddled with self-doubt. That's the honest answer. And anybody who knows me knows that I'm awkwardly self-doubtful. It's not an act. Um, I hate self-promotion. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> this is terrifying. I think that's it's completely honest, and I, I think most of the people that are listening or watching uh, feel similar. I think there's this push that we've had a, as writers and just society in general that you must share your life online, and it must be glorious, and or must be so truthful and real, and like I have to like live stream yourself in the most awkward, intimate moments, and it, it becomes this push. And it's and there's a counter push. I'm even seeing it amongst um, my students. In fact, we're mainly 18 to 20 where they're rejecting now social media and actually just going outside and doing and doing a whole life that the world doesn't know about. And, and uh, that's even interesting too. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, especially during COVID where everything is online now. I think everybody's getting a little tired of it. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a big media girl. Um, I do. I, I do it because I have to. Um, mm -hmm. And if I had a dollar for every tweet I've composed or Instagram post, yeah. and I, I can't post this. This is dumb. <laughs> I, you know, uh, same. I, Woodhull Press, you see regular posts. Please follow us. You see, I, I do this regularly. I post things. But like, if you look at any of our private accounts, like if you follow that deal here, I think you might see a, a hiking image. Like I'll take a hiking picture every once in a while, but I think that's pretty much all it's been for like a year. <laughs> Uh, of TikTok well, posts that are going to be coming out, um, which is really, really, 
it's all me and it's every awkward moment of me captured on camera and um, turned into obviously one minute videos on TikTok. And I'm going to give it a shameless plug because I have to. It's never be a hand model on TikTok. So also here's here's the book if you're interested. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But it is. <laughs> in this kidding but not kidding. Buy the book. Buy the book. Um, Buy the book. Uh, so I love that you created the TikTok handle. Uh, I actually did the same for Woodhall two weeks ago, though we have not posted anything or done anything. But there is now this whole movement of books and authors on TikTok in a really fun way. Uh, so that's been exciting. It's a way to sort of, I say, reach under 30 audience. Uh, there's a lot of people under 30 who, who love to read, and they're finding their authors in their books now through TikTok. So that's going to be, I will follow you on there. I'll, I'll add you to the, to the watch list. <laughs> Yes, it's, it's every photograph ever taken of me or a video, um, all whittled down one minute segments. So it just extends the awkward and talk about putting yourself out there. But you know what, I, I feel like you either got to you either got to go full in or forget it. And so I'm just and uh, I won't read any of the comments because that terrifies me. Um, but you know what, it's gonna have fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, um on this idea of like intimacy and, and, and being online and what you're writing, do your friends and family ever mind being featured in your stories, right? So you're drawing your inspiration from these friends and family, but do they ever like, hey, I didn't think you were gonna write about that. <laughs> um, trust me when I tell you, I often send, you know, things I've written about other people to them before I let it go live because I never, I never want anybody to feel bad or be surprised that, you know, they're in it or it, particularly my family, a, a majority of the columns, uh, you know, either revolve around my husband or my kids or my mom, dad, and brother. Um, my mom is featured a lot and um i send her columns before they go anywhere or, or they're before they're published because i would never want her to feel bad but she's got some funny stuff you know what i mean childhood your life your parents your family that's the life stuff is comedic it's it's funny stuff so yes i make sure they're not mad i don't ever want anybody to be surprised or upset about something i've written so you, I think, again, you hit just a, a really wonderful point. Anybody listening and you're writing a memoir, you're doing anything, don't just write to the end and then try to get the permission. I would say and let these people know that this process is happening. And that way, because sometimes if you have a crucial person that's in your story, that's the whole weed throughout, and then they say absolutely not, um, then that's going to kind of mess up your entire book. So I always say from the beginning, write in mind of the people you're going to include. Uh, I think that's just, and it's just common courtesy uh, to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I never, I mean, my whole, my whole gig is kindness and being nice. And especially from being from the Midwest, nice is, is you know, that's, it's inbred. So uh, no, <laughs> well, I feel bad. What was it like coming from the Midwest to the Northeast? Because I would say generally uh, it's, we're like Game of Thrones. I feel like we're very uh, Starkish. We're cold people sometimes. And I've, I've run a, to a lot of people from the South who are like, you know, I remember I went to uh, Pennsylvania, which I don't consider the South, but I, it was South enough. And uh, I was at a pizza place with my dad when I was younger, and somebody just stopped and said, hey, how's it going? Started chatting us up. And I remember turning to my dad and I said, what did that guy want? And my dad had to say to me, oh, 
people, you know, when you go down south, um, they talk, they talk to you, and they're, they're a little nicer. You don't have to be worried. And I remember getting so nervous, like, how dare a stranger just discuss things with us? And uh, I, I imagine, did you experience any anything like that? <laughs> I, I'm trying to formulate my answer as you're asking me this question. Um, what is <laughs> Yes, you know, honestly, um, I've been here probably 20 some odd years now, and it, it was culture shock for me. In the first year we lived here, I, I literally begged my husband to go back to the Midwest because exactly what the whole different, it's just a whole different culture. And yeah. I, I'm like the one who will talk to everybody at the grocery store. And much of the story that happened to me, I was talking to somebody like the bagger and they looked at me like I was insane. And I'm like, I'm just saying hi. And, and um, so yeah, definitely a whole lot different. East Coast, but the thing that I have found to be true is that once you make a friend here, they are your yeah. life. And I think that it's always a challenge for me to you know, kind of break through the rough barrier. Uh, people are always friendly. Just work a little bit harder. Make that. Yeah. Yeah, it's as you're saying that, I'm like laughing because I'm thinking to myself, like, it's true. Once you, you make like a, a New England friend, it is for life. It's like family almost. Like you, you call it like family. Like all my friends, you know, my oldest friend I've known uh, since I was five years old. Like it's like family. But to get to that point, uh, like even I remember when I was younger, like dating and stuff, you have to determine the level of scowl. Is it like an interested scowl? Like talk to me scowl? Or is it just a scowl? Because you have to read the levels of like scowl that you could be getting. <laughs> Sometimes you just know that you're never going to penetrate the angry and then that's <laughs> done and, and leave um, and not try it. People really, they just, it just takes a little bit longer. I'd like it. All right. So on this idea of comedy, uh, I'm curious, what other, uh, humor writers inspire you? Like, uh, do you have like uh, your go-to? Like, for me lately, it's actually been Gina Barak because I've been working with her for so long, and uh, she inspired me to even write my first humorous short story kind of recently. And uh, she's been a great inspiration. So, do you have anybody um, that has been like inspiring your, uh, you know, humor writing? <laughs> yeah, I would say a couple of people. Um, I really like a writer. I don't know if you know who Joel Stein is. Um, he used to call him uh, for Time Magazine a million years ago. Now he's done books and other stuff. Um, every time I read his his stories, they're such hilarious real-life observations, and that's what resonates with me. I mean, I think, I think because we, at least for me, I always feel like I am the only one who looks at something from a certain perspective or who is I, who or who just did something completely stupid. Um, and so it's fun to read somebody else who's had your similar experience. And then you don't feel so alone. And I love that. So Joel Stein really is the person who just talks about real life in a way that I can relate to. Um, Lori Nataro, I don't know if you know who she is. She's also a humor writer and talks about everything from taking Ambien and sleepwalking to her <laughs> Her cat being poop, like poop marks on her pillow that she thought was chalk. <laughs> so 
um, those are two writers that I really relate to. And I think they just, they make me laugh. And I love that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, th this was excellent. We're, we're kind of like almost out of time. I'd like to ask one more question. One, one, one thing that's, that's so good. Uh, Know, what, what, what to go with here? Maybe, um, what's an upcoming project? So you finished uh, your your most current project, right? Hand model, purchase it, please. Um, but what are you thinking next? It's always the next steps as a writer. Like your mind, you've got to be thinking a few steps out already. What's something that's exciting you at the moment as you're looking toward the future? <laughs> My God. <laughs> that's a heavy one. Sorry, it's like a heavy last question. <laughs> I, like in my head, I was preparing for that question. And then yet, yeah, now that you've asked it, um, <laughs> I'm looking at, I don't know, I guess depending on how my latest book, I'll Never Be a Hand Model in Other Stories I Tell My Therapist <laughs> right now. Um, if this does really well, maybe another book. Although I am looking at doing a, a memoir last year, I got my dream job in New York City and I went to work at the New York Daily News and I was there for eight weeks and then this little virus called coronavirus uh, hit and it all sort of uh, got washed away in the process. So uh, that would be probably not the funny story, but a, a memoir of uh, kind of finding the dream and then immediately losing it. But uh, on the docket and I'm just doing a ton of freelance writing I'd been trying to break into the uh, women's lifestyle national magazines that had been a long, long time dream and that just happened. I, w I won't embarrass them by saying which ones actually are gonna allow me to write for them, but um, kind of all the ones you see in the grocery store checkout aisle, uh, I just picked up some freelance work for them and, and um, that was really what I had been hoping for. So it's all, it's all goodness. And, and I think another takeaway for anybody listening is hear the emphasis on freelance. There's a lot of uh, work to be had out there if you put in the effort, right, and you make the connections, and then you get yourself, you kind of like put yourself out in the universe in a good way, and uh, yeah, you're, you're doing it, so it's good. <laughs> well, and I have to say, I mean, the honest answer, not funny answer is it's been years and years and years and years of trying and being and trying again and being relentless and single-minded in you know and getting to that place that I'd always dreamed of since I started writing in 2008 so if, if anybody's watching this and wants awkward author advice of any kind you just have to make and uh, you know rejection is part of the game and you just have to learn to live with it and don't give up that's so cliched I know but it's true <laughs> all right so on that note everybody please 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 follow sarah on twitter at s-w-l-e-m-i-r-e -E, right uh, yep. or instagram at sarah underscore wesley underscore lemire and tune into our lifestyle podcast hack the cat and of course buy her book i'll never be a hand model and other stories i tell my therapist you're gonna laugh you're gonna love it it's amazing uh, and if you have any questions for me, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, then email me, david at woodhallpress.com. I'd love to talk to you and, and anything anything else you can think of. <laughs> we go. I just have to say it's actually hack the chat, not cat. I mean, we can oh. cats. I'm good. Like, I'll talk cats with you all day, but it's actually hack the chat. So, like, hack. Oh, <laughs> oh hack the chat. So, you know what? I, I'm, 
I'm like squinting. Hack the chat. All right, hack the chat. <laughs> hack the chat. That's the next one. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Sarah. And thank you, everybody. I. Uh,